Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! You know, I realized, Rebecca, that this is our original flavor bonus episode. It Bef- truly before is. Before we did bonus episodes, we didn't even know what this was. It was just, just our holiday recommendation show. The bonus episode that lost, la- launched a thousand half-baked ideas, some of which we'll do again, some of literally uh, the half-baked idea show we'll do a couple times a year maybe. Um, but it's good to be back. It feels good to to do the mm-hmm. holiday recommendation show. We're now a couple of days away from Thanksgiving. Does it feel like the holidays are there? How, how what's your what's your jingle quotient? <laughs> my jingle quotient. Um, it's starting to. I did my like Thanksgiving test kitchen over the weekend, mm. which is my annual thing where I like bake a bunch of the desserts or whatever that I am working on. And Thanksgiving is much smaller here than yeah. in usual years, but my menu has not shrunk at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm I enjoy that mode. It's like a nice combination of things are kind of starting to wind down for us for work for the year. The office is getting quieter. Mm-hmm. Um, People are going out on holiday stuff, and my my household is getting very winter, hibernate food-focused, yeah. so that's nice. I will feel like my, my jingle quotient really kicks in on Thanksgiving when I allow myself to open my massive Spotify folder of mm-hmm. Christmas playlists. <laughs> and then usually the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we go to a Christmas tree farm and cut down a tree and do the whole situation. Um, and having a tree in the house really does it for me. Yeah, we are, are breaking the seals, our first of many airings of White Christmas. Sometimes we just mm-hmm. have it on. Um, my daughter, Rowan, had a moment of realizing that in 48 short hours, we'll break the seal on White Christmas. And she raised both of her hands over her head and screamed, yes. So I'm doing something right. <laughs> You're Looking really forward doing to it. it. Um, <laughs> Watching 60-year-old movies about uh, show mm. people uh, gets us in the okay. holiday spirit. The only thing that does it more for me is to do our holiday recommendation show. Thank you guys all for writing in. This is going to be a two-parter, so we're going to get through some today, and we'll do some more next time. But before we do that, let's uh, do a sponsor. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. Okay, here we go. Before we get started, any themes you're noticing? Any, any, any? Um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like there's durable mm. themes, but anything jump out to you from what we've seen from we our recommendation requests so far? I think a higher than usual proportion of folks asking for books for themselves. I warned you about that. Yes, indeed. I'm yeah. into. Yeah, that's right. You did mention it. I am into that, especially this year. Treat yourselves, friends. Um, 
No, there's a really nice, I think, variety mm-hmm. this time. Like sometimes there are, you know, two or three questions that we kind of lump together because they're getting at the same thing or, um, yeah, some nice overlap. Yep. But this year there's a really nice spread. I think this is the first time in Book Riot podcast recommendation show history that I'm not recommending tiny, beautiful things for something. I didn't see Gilead. I didn't see Night Circus. I didn't see any yeah. of our... You know, our usual suspects. Um, also, not too many books I read this year, which yes, yeah, I don't know if that's typical or not. I guess no. we'd have to go back through our Google Drive to see how much is backlist versus what's front of mind. But I felt like I was going... I've got one especially here that you will never hear anyone else recommend. So I'm, I'm always <laughs> thrilled about that. <laughs> yeah, I think usually one of us ends up recommending um, The Emperor of All Maladies yes. by Siddhartha Mukherjee for, like, for someone's dad who wants history. And that's not on the list this year. Um, nice to be... Ex- I had to do more Googling Same. and more research Same. into the Book Riot archives or like talk with our contributors um, than in the past. So we're uh, getting pushed out of our respective comfort zones and our little Venn diagram that we share was nice too. And some people preemptively pushed away things they thought we'd recommend. The essays of E.B. Mm-hmm. White was one. Yep. Um, in, a, in another, uh, uh, I think I trimmed one down. They'd already bought a couple of volumes of Louise Glick uh, stuff. So I think they also know the RSTNLE of our wheel of, of our personal wheel of fortune. So they're pushing us beyond those, which is good. Um, that's a lot of fun. The other thing I was going to say was, oh, while we're on Swiss Army recommendations, I used to recommend as a Swiss Army recommendation, Elegance of the Hedgehog by Muriel Barber, Burberry, Barbary, mm. I can't remember how to say her name. And Barbary? I just saw today, this is just random tendential crap. Um, that she has a new book out, also about a hedgehog. Another hedgehog, <laughs> more hedgehog content. I guess, you know, if you know where your bread is buttered, keep that side up. I don't know where that metaphor mm-hmm. was supposed to go. But uh, you can butter any side of bread. You know where your bread is. Anyway, I don't, I'm don't. i now lost in that cliche. But um, <laughs> though, it got me to talk about her, so maybe she knows what she's doing. So more, more hedgehog uh, coming from Mural Barbary. So those of you who were around in 2004 will be excited to hear about that. Uh, coming up. All right. You want to read first? You want me to read first? How do you sure. want to lead off here? Let's uh, read first. And okay. I think our rule is we don't give the person's name unless they tell us that we can, yes, right? Yes, right. Okay. They'll know who they are. They wrote yeah, they'll this. know who they are, yeah. and we don't want to spoil anybody's mm-hmm. holiday surprise. So um, this person is looking for book recs for themselves. Um, for themselves, they've been having a hard time reading since the start of the pandemic and have been trying out middle grade and YA because they're enjoyable, light, and fast to read. They read The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune, and it's one of their favorite books of the last few years, along with the Vanderbeeker series by Book Riot alum Karina Jan Glazer. What's up, Karina? Woo woo! So they're hoping for some more YA or middle grade recs that will hit some or all of the following bells. Uh, found family and community, normalized queerness with no coming out or trauma stuff, and kids banding together to achieve something or fight a baddie. Um, Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughn, illustrated by Cliff Chang, could be in my... Uh grab bag of things I reach for. It just so happens that I think it fits nicely, except here um, that this person didn't specify a predilection or not for comics or graphic novels. But the Paper Girls series is now complete. So O'Neill's razor somewhere is sharp and ready to cut. (laughs) Um, 
it, I think it takes all the boxes. Did you ever read any of this, Rebecca? Did you ever? I did to- because um, back in the fall, when I was making a COVID-adjusted right. um, visit to a friend who has kids that are up middle grade. Oh, right. Age, yes. Right. Yeah. They this. read. They've devoured Lumberjanes, and they loved. Um, Stranger Things on Netflix, and you had just pitched me Paper Girls mm-hmm. about for something else on the show. Maybe it was on the Moms, Dads, and Grads episode. So I bought it for my friend's kids, and I read it when I got up there um, to visit them, and they loved it okay. also. So is this yeah. a good pick, do you think? Am I around I the right so. tip here? It definitely has the kids banding together yeah. and the found family, you know, good community stuff happening, and it addresses some other big societal issues. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good hang, Paper Girls. Also, if you do Kindle, the first couple of volumes are just like four bucks to do digitally, so you can get started for cheap. Um, also, usually it's it's now fairly popular, and I think if you do Libby, Hoopla, that kind of stuff, you can get it there. Again, that's if you're if you're comfortable and have the access to digital kinds of things in these uh, tough times. Um, but Paper Girls um, by Brian K. Vaughn, illustrated by Cliff Chang. Um, I still haven't read the last volume, and this reminded me that I need to go go out and find it. Um, one of the reasons O'Neill's razor exists is because I hate this situation. But here I am. Anyway, my other pick, I think I recommend, I may have recommended it in, the, in, in May or mentioned it before, but Ways to Make Sunshine by Renee Watson. Um, it's kind of pitched as um, what if um, the Ramona Quimby series was written today and the protagonist was a young black girl um, instead mm. of a young white girl. It's middle grade. Uh, if you know Ramona, Ramona Quimby at all, it's it's going to feel familiar, though it's meaningfully different. It talks about class. It talks about race set here in Portland, Oregon, which, like all places in America, has racial problems. It has its own distinct flavor of racism and structural racism that appears in ways that are, you know, what they are. Um, but my family, we did it as a read aloud. Um, my daughter, especially, who's right in the right age for it, really liked it. Um, we had done some of the Ramona books. And the truth is, they're, they are wonderful classics, but they are of their time. And they're just some pieces of it that we bumped on, frankly, in both both mm. Michelle and I. But I think my kids also responding to some of the ways that things happen. I mean, it was written in the 50s. I mean, again, yeah. it, it is what it is. But it doesn't always have to be that way. And I'm glad to see that Renee Watson. I think there's more coming out, too, um, though it's not. there's not a cliffhanger. So I don't really subject it to shaving by O'Neill's razor, but maybe it's because I have an affinity for it. And these are my rules. What do you want me to do? Um, what are you picking? Uh, I'm starting with the book that our bibliologists for TBR are giving to folks who ask mm. for things that are similar to House in the Cerulean Sea, because everyone loves that book. And the quest for a read alike is kind of a white whale, like akin to what is like the Night Circus. Stop it. Don't, don't uh, bring it up. So- no one asked for it. I thought we could avoid that. <laughs> right. So um, one of the things that they're recommending is called In Other Lands. It's by Sarah Reese Brennan. Um, it's about a kid named Elliot. He's 13 years old. Um, his class is going on a field trip. He li- oh, by the way, he lives in a world that has a place called the Borderlands. And in the Borderlands, there are elves and harpies and mermaids. And on this field trip, it turns out that Elliot can see a wall that no one else can see. So he gets the chance to go to school in the Borderlands. And of course, world on the other, like the world on the other side of the wall is 
different than what Elliot imagined that it would be. There's weaponry and like fitness training and not nearly as many mermaids as he was hoping. But there's also Serene Heart in the Chaos of Battle, an elven warrior who is more beautiful than anyone Elliot has ever seen. And she is a human friend named Luke. And there are interesting books. And there's even the chance that Elliot might change the world. So you get kids bonding. There's friendship. There's falling in love. There's diplomacy. There's finding your own place in the world and a school with a really great library. Um, So that sounds like it would ring a lot of your bells here, listener. Um, One from my personal reading is called This Is What It Feels Like by Rebecca Barrow. It's about a um, group of teenage friends in, I think, an L.A. suburb. Um, They had been in a band together. It's been about a year since the band broke up. um, But now there is like a battle of the bands contest where the winning band gets, I think, $15,000 and like a record deal or a shot at a record deal or something like that. Um, And so one of the girls, Dia, is trying to get the band back together. Literally, Jeff, a book Hmm. about getting the band back together. Someone just write a book (laughs) called Getting the Band Back Together. Like, what are we doing here? Trying to be too cute. I know. Um, so it's these it's three girls that were in the band. Now, you know, life has taken some different turns in the last year. And um, as they try to get back together and they try to win the Sun City Originals contest, also Dia um, is going to um, maybe fall in love. Mm. Um, so there's a queer love story. There are characters of color. It's just, you know, normal teenage girls being friends with each other and having romantic experiences. Um, and then one recommended by one of our contributors is called Kings, Queens, and Inbetweens by Tanya Botiju. And I'll just read the quick summary. Uh, perpetually awkward Nima Kumara Clark is bored with her insular community. She's in love with her straight girlfriend, and she's trying to move past her mother's unexpected departure. After a bewildering encounter at a local festival, she finds herself immersed in the drag scene on the other side of town. Hmm. Um, and I've heard it's really fun. Um, avoids all of the trauma stuff that this listener um, is asking to avoid. And I will say, when I asked this question of our contributors, they all said, or several of them um, gave ringing endorsements for fear is or suffering anger is a gift by marco mm. shiro and they noted that there there is a lot of trauma stuff in the story but that it's a really really wonderful story of found family and queer community so if you if if that sounds compelling you might just check out anger is a gift and know that if you dip your toes in there might be some difficult stuff on the page but it sounds from our folks like um, there may be really great payoff also cool um this is not related to the um, that request or the next one, it's related to the ampersand in Kings, Queens, and Inbetweens jogging my memory of something to shout out for everyone out there this weekend. Uh-huh. That um, Between the World and Me, the adaptation of Ten- oh, Tanyasi yeah. Coates' um, work is free on HBO Max this weekend. If you, you can go check that out. I, that's, a, that's a public service out there. So Have if you're you started looking, it? I know, I haven't. I don't think it's... Ah, I think it might come out tomorrow. Oh. I'm not sure. Um, okay. But anyway, it's on my list. So... Yeah. I've heard good things. The early reviews, I just kind of kind of squinted at to just get a sense mm-hmm, of what same. it is. Sounds like it's going to be good, <laughs> but I didn't want to know too much about it. But so anyway, um, that's a cool thing and a smart thing for them to do. Go check it out if you're so inclined. All right, I'm up to read. Hi, Jeff and Rebecca. Hello. Um, I think I've got my gift book for family members. I'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah. So I've decided next year, this is a request for the writer. I've decided next year I'd like to focus on trying to incorporate more books by indigenous authors into my reading life. 
I've read and loved There There by Tommy Orange, dipped my toes happily into the Louise Erdrich Uve, greatly enjoyed <laughs> Sabrina Karina, although short stories aren't usually my go-to, and currently have Crooked Hallelujah by Kelly Jo Ford and The Break by Katharina Vermette checked out from the library. My favorite genres are literary and historical fiction, but I also enjoy mysteries and have been exploring fantasy, fantasy again as well. Would love to get some recommendations to add to this. Thanks for much podcast. It's been a bright spot and a tough year. Oh, thank you so much for saying so. Rebecca, what do you got? I've got some books by indigenous authors that go. are in none of the genres that this listener <laughs> requests. <laughs> How about that? How about for nonfiction and memoir? Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah, I will say um, I te- I've noticed that I tend to read, um, I'm reading a lot more nonfiction totally. lately in my life. Um, and so most of the books by indigenous authors that I've read are nonfiction, but I also have Crooked Hallelujah on my list for, mm. uh, for this winter. So my first pick is Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. She is a botanist and a Native American, and she writes really beautifully interweaving the sort of um, the spiritual culture um, that Native Americans bring and the spiritual and religious beliefs that Native Americans bring to their interactions with the natural world with her scientific training as a botanist. And it's just it's fascinating to me how um, she looks at their intersections, at the tension between them, and then also the ways that those um, competing sets of belief and training can support each other in some ways, and um, how she's let each one enrich the other aspect of her life. Um, It's really, really beautiful. I've talked about it on the show before. Um, Interesting insight into, and and like in a very sort of... um, practical feeling way to parts of Native American culture that people often talk about as if they're really unknowable and mysterious. Mm -hmm. And she's like, here are what these ceremonies are about. And here is why that why, you know, Native American tribes um, talk about, you know, plants in this certain way or understand the ecosystem in a certain way. It's, it's, you know, come from observations and lived experience about the way that the natural world functions. Um, And I really appreciated that as well, that um, she's not Kimmerer. um, I'm not sure who her intended audience for the book is, but as a white reader approaching it, there's no opportunity to like, ooh, make like woo woo Mm. fingers, you you know, about, about stuff. So I really appreciated that. Um, The other one is Heartberries by Therese Marie Melot. She, or Melo, um, she, this is a tough book. Um, had a, a really difficult upbringing. There is some post-traumatic stress and mental illness stuff on the page, but she gets a notebook and she starts to write her way out of trauma. And this is her memoir about about that, about her life and about writing her way back to life. So there's, um, it, it's not specifically about being Native American, but this is a, an indigenous author writing about her life, which inevitably, as a person living in America, is um, colored and shaped by uh, by that cultural experience, and that racial experience. So I'd recommend that also. Mm-hmm. I'm recommending something that you, I mean, I won't be the only person, I'm sure there's someone else out there um, that especially reads a lot of indigenous uh, American literature, but this is one I read a long time ago kind of found it as I was looking for um, mid-century works by, I guess mid-century, the 70s are now mid-century, works by Native American writers. It's called The Surrounded, and the author is Darcy McNichol. And this is out of print, 
and there are no ebooks and there's no audiobooks. So have fun. I did look to make sure that at least <laughs> if you wanted to get on like ABE books or something, or there you can get used copies for like four or five bucks. So you can get it, but you're going to have to go out of your way. Um, only one edition from 1978 from University of New Mexico Press. So really going in here. But I thought this book was fantastic. It is historical fiction. The main character, Archil Dion, is going back to the reservation he grew up on in the Flathead Indian Reservation of Montana. Um, it's written in 1978, but it's set in 1936. So it was historical fiction even at the time. Um, actually, I'm sorry. It was written in 1936. This is a 1978 edition. It's kind of confusing about how, how this thing is all put together, but it feels like historical fiction now. And it was ri- it's written in a kind of Hemingway-esque modernist plain style that mm. makes it feel still very contemporary. You could imagine like a Cormac McCarthy kind of asparagus to a lot of the prose. It is extremely depressing, but I thought it's wonderfully clear and spare and really hit me for a loop when I read it, boy, 15 or 20 years ago now, mm. and it stuck with me. Um, so I'm not sure what else to say, except I- I'm glad to get a chance to talk about that one as well. And now going to sort of one of the, the canon, I'm not sure where this um, writer is in the canon of exploring um, American literature with indigenous authors and voices, but Ceremony by Leslie Marmon Sirico, I just need to make sure that if you haven't, you know to have this on your radar. Um, wonderfully moving. Um, it's about a World War II veteran who comes back to the Pueblo Reservation that he grew up on, has mixed ancestry, um, was a prisoner during the war, but also isn't welcome back in the way that you might expect, like many people returning home from a war, but also the own, the cultural situation there is complicated as well. Uh, has a lot of Pueblo myth in it. Um, but his talks about healing as well. So it's not a bad antidote or um, twin to read alongside the Surrounded by Darcy McNichol. But that ceremony by Leslie Marmon Silco, there are Kindle and audiobooks of that because that's a book that people that are humans have actually heard of and read. (laughs) Um, And it's, you know, it's a modern, I think it's a modern classic. I think we've talked about doing a list or a separate podcast about sort Mm -hmm. of the new canon and I think Ceremony by Leslie Mar- Marmon Silka would have to make any list of that. The other one that I have, again, this is super like, you know, you're, pl- you're picking the top of the draft board. But if you haven't made it to Housemaid of Dawn by N. Scott Mamaday, um, his 1974, I think, Pulitzer Prize winning novel. Um, also really wonderful. Can't say enough good things about it, too. But, you know, that's like saying you like the Beatles and Oxygen um, for this genre, for, for, from this from this niche of books, um, I'm glad to get a chance to talk about. There's a whole bunch of really wonderful stuff to read, and there's more and more of it coming out every day. So um, there was a time, and it's still less prevalent. It should be where, you know, everyone who was was interested at all in Native American literature would have already read *House Made of Dawn* and *Ceremony* by Larry Mark and Soko. It's so cool that a writer can peel off a few things that have come out recently, and there's like things that we all know not to recommend because they're too popular. Like *They're There* by Tommy Orange. That mm, struck me in reading mm-hmm. this again. It's like. Of course, she's read there, there by Tommy Orange, um, but it didn't always used to be the case. So those are my three picks. Um, Rebecca, where are we going next? We are going to 
a person who's shopping for their 17-year-old brother mm. who's really into classic literature and plays, reads a lot, is planning to study literature at college, which is great. However, he seems only to read old dead white dudes. So they're wondering if we can recommend a book, maybe a classic, that a 17-year-old boy might be interested in that's from a different perspective. Mm. It's great that he's into reading, but I fear him becoming a college lit bro. Please help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We are here for you. What do you yeah. Have? Um, so there's a, there's an interesting thing here. Uh, Alexandre Dumas has a complicated and not easily recognized parentage. Uh, and I think this is a way of sort of saying the the classics as you know them are not as simple as you think. Mm. Um, so I would get, I think Count of Monte Cristo is the most fun and most like yeah. page turnery of these, but get any of those classics editions that has a foreword and make sure they read, um, the foreword and you'll learn that it's all is not as simple as, as everything else. I think, um, I think that's really interesting for, for people to know. I would also rec recommend from on the play front, you can get, I think, some collected plays of August Wilson. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom just got turned into a really wonderful movie with, with Chadwick Boseman's final performance in it. But Fences is in, you know, August Wilson play. Mm -hmm. um, probably the preeminent black playwright of the mid-century. Um, they really read, read great on the on the page as well. And then if you want to complicate and up-to-date someone's interest in the classics, there's no one better than Madeline Miller. You could do Song of Achilles or Circe. I think Circe, I don't know. I wonder if Song of Achilles out, came out second, if it would have had the same cycle where Circe is the thing that made Madeline mm. Miller more of a book nerd household name. It's like a nerdy house where she's a household name. <laughs> I'm not sure. I recommend either, but I think Circe's out there. A lot more people have read it, blah, blah, blah. Both are great. Um, I slightly prefer Song of Achilles myself, but I'm recommending Circe here because it's more au courant. Um, but th those are my two picks, which, of course, is a retelling, modernization, refabulization of Circe, the sorceress from Homer's The Odyssey. So there's a that's your um, problematizing, troubling, turning, <laughs> flipping over um, the classics in a way that yeah. is doing interesting cultural work. Yeah, I went for the assumption that he's going to be have enough of the classics thrown mm -hmm. at him in college, hopefully including classics that aren't by old dead white dudes. Mm -hmm. um, so one that's sort of in that same vein, but not by an old dead white dude is Wide Sargasso Sea by Jean Reese. It's um, from 1966. And it is like a meanwhile to Jane Eyre that takes the perspective and this is a Jane Eyre spoiler, but the book is like 200 years old. So don't <laughs> at me of the mad woman in the attic. Um, and sort of tells that story. And I think I've shared on the show before that White Sargasso Sea is one of the very first books I had to read for one of my very first lit classes in college. And at that point, I had not read Jane Eyre. So like White Sargasso Sea spoiled Jane Eyre for me. And then like I waited 15 mm. years to read Jane Eyre because I already knew what was coming. Um, but that's an interesting sort of twist on a classic. Um, you just jogged my memory talking about Circe that Nina McLaughlin had a great collection out early, I think it was early 2020, early this year, called Wake Siren, that takes all of the female characters from Ovid's Metamorphoses and gives them the opportunity to tell their side of the story and to have voice mm. in it. So like, you get all these, you know, stories in old mythology about like, 
this woman was raped by a god and here is the child that they produced. And it's like, well, what was it like to be that woman? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she gives voice to all of them. It's really excellent and edgy and fun, cool. I think there's a lot there. Um, and then I think, man, if you're trying to be literate about literature in the year of our Lord 2020, you need to read some Colson Whitehead and Underground Railroad, yeah. I hope is being taught in college literature classes. I certainly hope it's being taught in like novels of the 21st century kind of approaches. But as we have established, we we share the belief here that Colson Whitehead is the greatest living American novelist. And if you're going to roll into your college experience and want to talk with some authority about the world of books and reading and what they mean today, um, I mm. think the Underground Railroad is essential. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think I said actually the thing I should have said about Alexander Dumas. His, his uh, grandmother was a slave, uh, a Haitian mm. slave. So... There you go. Um, I talked around it. I don't know why I did that. Actually, I do know why, because I'm squeamish and a coward. But let's get get over that as much as we can. Uh, Let's see. Hi, Jeff and Rebecca. Thank you for all that you do. Your podcast is one of my favorites, and I'm really enjoying all the extras that you've been producing during the pandemic. Oh, you're welcome. You recently mentioned your holiday recommendations, and I have a request for myself this year. Go get it. I'm very fortunate <laughs> to be healthy, and at this time, I'm so happy to say the same for family and friends. I am struggling to find a read that will help me to feel calm and possibly soothed at the end of the day. However, as my day job has become almost unbearable during the pandemic, I'm so sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, Re- Rebecca recently mentioned the essays of E.B. White, and I have that on order, along with Ross Gay's The Book of Delights. I think you took two of the yep. bullets out of our gun, but good on <laughs> you. I'm hoping that you can rec- recommend another quiet, calming read that I can use to help me transition out of my hectic workday and back into the life I love. Best wishes. I didn't have a pick here. I don't have a soothing read to offer. I feel very bad about myself. I need to go back and reevaluate some things. But so, Rebecca, this one's all you. You didn't want to pick one of the business books that you've been reading to calm your soul this year? No, I don't think that's going to help anybody. All right. Well, I have one that is in the same vein, I think, of Essays of B.B. White and Book of Delights, maybe closer to the latter. Mm. Um, It's a world of wonders in praise of fireflies, whale sharks, and other astonishments by Amy Nizukamatatil. It is a beautiful little hardcover. It's kind of hard to describe what she's doing here, but she's a poet. Poets writing about nature is a thing that's almost always wonderful. I can't resist it. Um, Each little vignette here is just a couple pages long, and each one pairs like factual observations about a plant or an animal or a bug or a natural phenomenon with reflections from her own life. So like the, I should have grabbed my copy before we did this, but like the flamingo entry, opens with her like writing about flamingos and observing the flamingos long legs and then it slides into her remembering being a teenage girl like a tall teenage girl going out trying to like flirt with boys at a club that she probably shouldn't have been led into and having both that like power of being young and in your body but also being young and Mm. maybe um someone having their eyes on you as a kind of prey so it's not like purely soothing 
easy content, but the way that she writes about all these things is so, so lovely. And I found for the transition out of like work stress or whatever, and into the rest of the day or the evening that I'm trying to have little like snippets can be good. Mm. Um, If you want a flavor, she, I think the Paris Review is the one that excerpted one of the chapters, which is called My Cephalopod Year. And that's where she is writing about, I want to say like the ghost squid um, and how that tied to observations of a year that she had changed schools when she was in high school and was feeling kind of invisible and awful. Mm. Um, so for B, I think it's, it does two things. It both validates like some really difficult stuff, but also pairs it with really beautiful things and the way that she writes about it. It's wonderful. Um, I'm, I've been recommending it widely. The other one that's more of a straight shot down the center is Big Friendship by Amina Tussaud and Anne Friedman. They are the beloved co-hosts of the Call Your Girlfriend podcast. Um, they have been like best friends and business partners for the better part of a decade. And they co-wrote this book together about their friendship and about like how no one talks about friendships on the same mm. level that we talk about intimate romantic relationships, but our friendships really can be like integral to our lives and they can shape us in important ways. And they have elevated their friendship to that level in their lives, to that level of priority and care. So they write about that and about some of the moments that they really let each other down and how they worked through it. Like at one point they ended up going to therapy together mm. because they wanted to save their friendship and also their business partnership. Um, it's really lovely and it'll make you want to send texts to the people in your life who show up that way for you. And it, it will probably also push you to think about like bigger and better ways to show up for your friends. I just found it really, it was, it was soothing in its own lovely way. So those are my picks and I hope that your job becomes do less miserable listener. Um, thank you for letting us recommend you and you know there's always the great british bake-off if you just need to watch something nice yeah i uh i don't know i really i I tried here i'm not i didn't just abdicate um because i could i i didn't have i mean again you could do your gileads of the world that's fine um i'm gonna recommend annie dillard in a little bit that's also fine Mm. you know i read vesper flights by helen mcdonald this year which is a book of essays which I just didn't have anything I, I felt super strongly about, so I seeded. But um, I'll think more. We could do a, we could do a, um, soothe like the soul reads. episode yeah. where we, we do some talking about it. There, let's do another sponsor, um, which will calm us all down, and we'll do some more. Okay, I think it's your read, Shinsky. Is that right? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, This is a pretty specific request. This person's mother is a fan of atmospheric slice of life humorous books like A Gentleman in Moscow, A Man Called Ova, however you pronounce that, and Rules of Civility. Mm. She's also trying to read more books by diverse authors and with with diverse protagonists. So they're looking for books that have the same feel as A Man Called Ova and Rules of Civility, but but that are not by old white men. And then they Mm -hmm. noted that Goodreads, (laughs) Goodreads suggests Where the Crawdads Sing and American dirt, so it was really not very helpful. Extremely tough front. look for Goodreads. <laughs> Extremely tough. So thank you for coming to us. Yeah. Um, I started with this is really out of my wheelhouse. This okay. like slice of life charming yeah. thing. Yeah, charming. I don't do a, yeah, I don't do yeah, a lot of charm. these, but That's one that has 
right? Um, But one that has stuck with me is The Storied Life of A.J. Fickrey by Gabrielle Zevin about uh, an older man who has been widowed. He lives on a small island in the Northeast, I think like Maine-ish, maybe Martha's Vineyardy, um, And he has some unexpected, he owns a bookshop, BT-dub, so people love that. Uh, and some unexpected things happen in his life where he meets a woman and some new possibilities for his love life and his family appear to him. So mm. you get like a cantankerous, you know, funny, small town environment and also just a really lovely story. And I think I talked just a couple episodes ago when we were doing uh, books that we think should be mm. adapted for the screen about The Woman Next next Door by Yawande Amatoso. Yep. And this one's set in Johannesburg, South Africa, about two women in their 80s who have been neighbors for a long time and been like enemies. Um, one is black, one is white. They just don't have that much in common. They've never liked each other, but they end up being pushed together through a series of events that neither of them could have controlled or predicted. And they form a friendship. And it had, um, I found it to be very charming as well. So those are mine. I think you're winning here. Your pick is really good. Well, <laughs> listen. I've talked about it several times. So this could, I think this has a chance to be one of my go-to recommendations because it does so much so great. It's Deacon King Kong by James Mm -hmm. McBride. Actually, New York Times just yesterday named it um, one of its 10 books, best books of the year. I was so glad to see that. It's gotten a lot of plaudits, Oprah book club picks, but still it's not, well, it's not American Dirt and Crawdads in the public consciousness, right. which is a shame and a travesty. And we're going to remedy that right now. Well, at least we're going to move one unit, I hope, of Deacon <laughs> King Kong. So it's 1960s Brooklyn, a lot of invention. Um, it's funny. It's slice of life. It's atmospheric. It has, again, I, I've read I've read one of the, I've read Gentlemen in Moscow. I didn't read Rules of Civility. I've also read A Man Called Ove. I like those books. Would you call them profound? Would no. you call them profound? I don't think so. They have a little bit of whatever in it, but like Deacon Kong, King Kong is about a lot and a lot that's really important. It's really hard. And it's also really funny. Just the invention, like invention per square per paragraph is off the mm-hmm. charts here. It reminds me of when probably Parks and or no, 30 Rock was the first of these shows where like the jokes per minute started to go, you know, hockey stick on the curve. Yeah. I feel like there's a certain thing happening here with, with Deacon King Kong about how inventive and atmospheric and detail-oriented it is. I really hope it becomes, I hope it makes it to the paperback um, favorites table and has that kind of a life. Um, McBride, even though he's got some awards and, and, and some adaptations, still sneaky unknown, um, weirdly. I think we talked about that, that like, the book before it was named Oprah's Book Club is like was selling 700 copies uh, a mm-hmm. week in the middle of the summer. And that's after it just is what it is. But I hope a bunch of people pick this up. You know, the other one that struck me and Ace also could go into our, our recommendation Hall of Fame, actually, which would be a fun show, mm. by the way. Put a pin in that. Yeah. Um, 2 a.m. at the Cat's Pajamas. Uh, yes. Um, which we don't get a chance to talk about that often. And Bertino had a new book out that I never got around to. Did you read that? It came out this year or last I year. Didn't. Do you remember? I have the digital galley somewhere, but I haven't gotten yeah. to it yet. So it's found family. It's atmospheric, but it's like, I there's nothing much like it. I, I don't even know what you, what genre would you call this? I guess it's commercial fiction. Like in the covers, Deceiving too is one thing I remember. This came out in 2015, yeah. the paperback, Marie Helena Bertino. 
there's these characters and they're in Philadelphia and it's about a girl that wants to sing in a jazz club. Uh, and that's all true, but feels wrong. I don't know. Help me, Rebecca. I'm it's drowning like, here. Yeah. I think, I think this is one that we usually bust out on these recommendation yes. shows. And it's, it is like, it's just charming. Charming. As all charming. 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 Yeah. Also, a Christmas a Eve. One. It's set on Christmas Eve. Someone mm-hmm. asked for a wintry read later. Right. So and it'd be a good It's Christmas short. Eve. Yeah. So you can also read it like in one sitting. Yeah. I know I read it like on a winter afternoon, you know, in like two hours. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that All was right. a, my spontaneous pick. Anyway, 2 a.m. at the Cat's Pajamas by Marie Helena Bertino and Deacon King Kong by James McBride are my picks. All right, my read, my first holiday recommendation request. I would like to get a book for my sister, and I'm hoping to find a novel that involves knitting. Definitely something on the lighter, page-turnery side, though I guess there probably isn't a lot of heavy, dreary lit fic (laughs) about knitting. I think you're underestimating the dreariness of lit fic, reader. Never underestimate the dreariness of literary fiction. (laughs) Romance is fine as long as very low on the chili pepper scale. Um, use Scoville units to measure the heats of chili peppers. So technically that would be the Scoville scale, but no mystery or YA available as an audiobook is a definite plus. I have nothing. Uh, The Scoville scale of sexy times. (laughs) Yes. Um, I also had nothing. So I went to Dr. Google and you know, we were knocking Goodreads earlier for the recommendations of American right. Dirt and Crawdads. But a beautiful thing about Goodreads is that users make all kinds mm-hmm. of highly specific thematic lists. And I was pretty successful in finding some knitting-focused fiction and romance. Um, uh, the ones that came up most often were Debbie McCumber's The Shop on Blossom... Debbie... Oh, it's... Yeah, the Blossom Street series. The first one is called The Shop on Blossom Street. Um, there is a yarn store in Seattle called A Good Yarn. It's owned by a woman named Lydia. It represents her dreams of a new beginning and a life that offers a chance at love. And she teaches a knitting to beginners class called How to Make a Baby Blanket. Three women join it. They form friendships. Other things happen to these four women. Discoveries that lead to friendship and acceptance, to laughter and dreams. Discoveries only women can share. So that's not on the chili pepper scale at all. There are 10 of them. I think that you can find like the, a set of all 10 in paperback if you just want to like go all the way out for that um, for Christmas. So that is the Blossom Street series by Debbie McCumber. And then there's also a series called How to Knit a Love Song by mm. Rachel Heron that is a romance series and um, that involves a lot of knitting I think also I don't have the synopsis in front of me but also I think a cleverly named knitting store (laughs) Um, which seems like one of those things that the pun masters from Portlandia would have been contracted to to name Um, and looks like it shouldn't be too too spicy uh, for your sister. So that's How to Knit a Love Song by Rachel Heron. There are several in that series also and those came up most frequently in my and most frequently as highly ranked ones in my my searching here. So I hope that that's helpful. Um, I do have, it's not a recommendation because this is not what you're asking for, but just to stay on brand, I did read last year Threads of Life, A History of the World Through the Eye of the Needle (laughs) by Claire Hunter. (laughs) I thought you were about to say like a history of the world in 10 yards. I I wish I could. (laughs) I wish a history of the world in 10 needles. Um, it was really interesting. I, you know, I'm interested in everything. So it's very, I can't, I can never recommend a book like this to other people. Not because I'll, I don't, I know I'm going to be right. I just don't know. 
It's 320 pages, but this has history and has culture, has politics. You move your Africa, Palestinian villages, you're in England. So I'm guessing if you're enough into knitting to just want novels about it, maybe check it out. Maybe it's your library can have it. It's also one of those weird situations, too. It's not discounted at all. Like, you still can give in hardcover. Mm. The paperback has come out. It's a little hard to get. I don't think it moved a lot of units, Threads of Life. But I thought it was pretty great. Um, I was glad I read it. So that's Threads of Life by Claire Hunter. And that is something that you did not ask for, but I am saying the words anyway. (laughs) Look. It's our show. It's our um, show. This next one, and I think this is a good note to end on today, yeah. is one that neither of us had a recommendation for. Um, so I would like to turn this one out to our listeners. Yes, I like this move you're you doing to, here. Uh, thank you. It's the gift that keeps on mm-hmm. giving. Um, ask you all to send us in some recommendations for this person, and we'll share them on the second volume of this episode. So this person um, has been having a tough time, like most of us have this year. However, it's really tough this holiday season because they are across the ocean from their English husband and in-laws that they normally spend Christmas with because they're dealing with some bureaucracy stuff. So they're going to be alone for Thanksgiving and possibly Christmas, like physically alone, mm. but they'll have zoom they're looking for holiday feel-good fiction about found family and or about people thriving despite a lack of close blood relations tearjerkers are okay but no mentions of physical emotional abuse or disordered eating so keep that Mm. in mind when you're sending in your recs but i just nothing came to mind for me about feel-good holiday fiction and it seems like this is a thing that should exist so if you know of it you want to help a fellow listener out please email us at podcast at bookriot.com and we'll get it on the list. I think if we would have thought of it, 2 a.m. at the Cat's Pajamas. So we've already yes, used that. Actually, we can pass that yes. one along. You don't mm-hmm. get to write that in and use your own words against us, listeners. So you got to come up with your own junk for this, your own great, I mean, <laughs> wonderful, heartwarming, soul-nourishing recommendations. I think this is one that a lot of people maybe didn't even think to ask I... for that we could use because we're all going to be doing this or yeah. a lot of us are going to be doing stuff yep. like this. Yes. That's our show so. this week. We'll be back with more recommendation requests. How are we how are we doing on the list? Oh, I don't I think we're about halfway. I don't think we can take any more, unfortunately. Yeah. I was just about I don't think we can. So but um there we go. We'll talk to you guys sometime soon. <laughs> Hang in there. <laughs>